Let us remember the words of Psalm 118, 22-24. The same stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. And it, it is marvelous in our eyes. On this day the Lord has acted. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. There, the readings this morning were so rich and deep and could have easily uh, pulled one or two verses from any of the readings and had a, had a pretty full sermon. But what really grabbed my attention and what I felt led to for us to think about today is the Psalm 51 and especially where David said, creating me a clean heart, O God. So I want us to think about where is my heart? Where is my heart? First off, just to be sure we're all on the same page, we need to define what is generally accepted to be meant when the scriptures talk about our heart. That is the emotional, spiritual, and mental center of a person. It's the very center of a person's emotions, thoughts, or essence. It really just means who we are. This, the most basic definition of who and what we are. In 1 Samuel 16, 7, when the prophet Samuel is considering one of David's brothers, his oldest brother, if whether or not he should anoint him as king, God tells him, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees, not as man sees, Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Years later, when David gives his charge to Solomon as he's preparing to die, King David said, And you, Solomon, my son, know the God of your father. Know the God of your Father and serve Him with a whole heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands every plan and thought. If you seek Him, He will be found by you. First Chronicles 28, 9. Yeah, there's probably more I could say about that, but I try to keep my composure and move on. In Matthew 6:21, Jesus said, "For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also." A priest, or that verse, appeared in my sermon a few weeks ago. And then Matthew 12, 34 and 35, You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. So we can probably all agree that when the scriptures talk about the heart of man, 
it's definitely not talking about the physical organ that pumps blood through our through our body <clears throat> but it's something much bigger than that it's it's uh, that central identity and motivation for who we are and what we believe so we want to consider what a clean heart is creating me a clean heart of God years ago uh, I was motivated to memorize scripture and one of my goals was to memorize the book of Philippians and I chose that goal because I heard um, I don't remember who it was but he was at a focus on the family event in Birmingham and he came out on the stage this minister teacher and he had like a um, uh, a case uh, what like they used to carry on stage coaches when they traveled uh, yeah a trunk thank you he had his trunk <coughs> sitting beside him and as he started he started reciting Philippians and he every now and then he would reach into the trunk and put on a costume that was appropriate for what we would imagine people look like in New Testament times and by the time he finished reciting the entire book he put shackles on and it was so powerful uh, visual image plus hearing uh, that very emotional book being delivered uh, from memory by rote and so I, I spent several years off and on uh, working toward that goal and finally got it memorized but I never I recited it several times over the years but I know I never made it through without bungling it all up and getting, leaving out parts and skipping parts but it was uh, I may do it again sometime it's, I enjoy it it's uh, can be as anything can be used by God to accomplish his purposes but in that book verse chapter 4 verse 8 says finally brothers whatever is true whatever is honorable whatever is just whatever is pure whatever is lovely whatever is commendable if there's any excellence if there's anything worthy of praise think about these things that's a clean heart I go back to the definition of those things above in Colossians 3.1 if then you have been born again set your mind on those things that are above where Christ is <clears throat> and uh, many of the early fathers agreed with the uh, I think I want to say it's Aristotle's thought that the three essences of life are truth, beauty, and goodness that that is an appropriate application of uh, that concept those things that are above will all fit into those three categories truth, beauty, beauty and goodness and so again that is 
what comes out of a clean heart, a good heart. Uh, and we all know the, what's not clean. Uh, so how does a heart become clean? There's a passage I not in Philippians that I also memorized years ago and it's in the fourth chapter of Ephesians verses 17 to 25 and it's a description in the, uh, in the ESV where the translators came up with subtitles for different paragraphs of scripture but of course we know the verses and paragraphs aren't in the original uh, original languages but they're there to help us be able to read and comprehend better what the uh, original languages say but the subtitle for this section is the new life now this I say and testify in the Lord you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds they are darkened and their understanding alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality greed greedy to practice every kind of impurity but that is not the way you learned Christ assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness therefore having put away falsehood let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor for we are members one of another wow that that one passage pretty much gives us everything we need to know for living our lives day to day and in, uh, in the context of of living our lives I mean it, it pretty much covers uh, almost every aspect from our from our vertical relationship with Christ to our horizontal relationships with all those people around us <clears throat> um, the Gentiles became calloused they became hard-hearted and they, their understanding was darkened uh, due to their c continual pursuit of every kind of impurity and uh, I guess we can give witness that uh, life hasn't changed it's, we pretty much still could be guilty of almost all of that so how do we put off the old man and put on the new man? Well, I'm convinced this is not a salvation issue because I'm convinced that 
in John where it says these things are written that you may know that you have eternal life that was transformative in my faith and, and my spiritual formation and, and my the, theological understanding that I don't have to sweat it I don't have to worry about attaining to some level of holiness or spirituality or fear of spending eternity in hell uh, I'm convinced that when Jesus said if you believe in your heart when Paul said if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth and when Jesus told more than one person believe that in that in that context in that event of a person acknowledging and putting their hope and faith in Christ that that we are born again we do have salvation we will spend eternity in heaven so and many times in the past when I've heard sermons preached about this this is basically the process of sanctification the process of growing in Christ likeness of maturing in our spiritual walk I would always feel um, unworthy and, and insufficient and uh, sometimes especially you know the first 1500 times I heard it I would want to say I want to do better I'm, I want to try harder I'm going to but after a few decades uh, for in my experience uh, that grew weary and uh, I finally come to the place where it's just like well I haven't seen there in some ways I've seen a lot of change but there have been these persistent nagging areas that I've not seen much change and so what's the use to keep trying and does it does it really matter <clears throat> what I want you to hear today is yes it matters not in our not in the means of salvation or not but it matters in the means of, of uh, attaining to the purpose and plan God gave us life for it matters on the effect that it has on all those around us and our family and neighbors and co-workers um, so we need to not give up we need to not quit listening when we hear somebody start talking about trying to learn how we put off the old man and how we put on the new man as it says there in Ephesians how do we put on the mind of Christ uh, to be renewed in the spirit of our mind so that we can put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness and speak the truth with his neighbor Psalm 139 finishes uh, just an amazing uh, poem of, of description of the awesomeness of God and his love for us and how special each one of his creation is especially the children of God and the men and women but it sums it up by saying search me O God and know my heart try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me lead me in the way everlasting
when we think about putting on the new man, we have to understand the, the creating a clean heart, I think, is, is in some ways that's addressed and occurs when we're born again. And that heart will never be, uh, that is the heart God creates out of nothing. Just like he created all of creation out of nothing. His word, he spoke his word and spoke matter into existence. He spoke his word and there was light and there was water and air and dirt. Uh, and it's the same way and Job said in Job chapter 14, who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? And the answer to that is God can do that. We can't do it. So I guess it's important as we consider how do we put off the old man and how do we put on the new? How, do, how does our heart change that we realize um, it's God, it's the Spirit of God in work with us, within us, that there's nothing but the blood of Jesus that forgives our sin. Uh, there's, it's the work of the Holy Spirit within us to cleanse the fire, the fire of the Holy Spirit cleanses and purifies us. The washing of the Word cleanses us. So, so all the things that we've always heard and been taught are true and that part of that process of the renewing of the mind, of the renewing of the Spirit within us involves um, being faithful to spend time in the Word to uh, leave our, try to uh, keep our minds open for truth and light to be receptive, to be teachable but there's a few other practical things I wanted to just briefly mention this morning that I have found in my own life and read of many others that I'm convinced is key to this process of renewing your mind and getting the right spirit. And in addition to all the things I just mentioned, it starts with confession. We have to, conf even though God already knows, we have to come to the place in our own walk, in our own experience of recognizing and admitting uh, our struggles, our failures, our sin to God. And I believe that scripture and experience and church tradition teaches us that in addition to confessing it to God, it's important, if not required, it's definitely a powerful transaction when we confess to each other. And I experienced this a couple of decades before I ever uh, came into a liturgical sacramental tradition. Uh, the first time I did a true confession, I called my brother up and told him I needed to talk. We met one night after work and it was the hardest thing, words I've ever spoken in my life when I confessed to him my long-standing sin with lust and pornography. And he was so gracious and so merciful and so 
uh, encouraging and loving as we should be to each other when we hear a confession. It's not the time for judgment or teaching or admonition. Uh, sure, you can speak the truth, but it might not be the best time. Uh, it's just a time for encouragement and uh, sharing of the grace and forgiveness that we have experienced. But I believe there's even another step in this process of confession that I've come to know after coming into a sacramental worldview, and that's confession as a sacrament. And I know that uh, as Protestants, that's something that was rejected. Uh, I'm not a historian. I don't know all the details. and and all, all of the issues. <clears throat> but again, I can only go back to what I have experienced. And, and I, I, I believe and will continue to hold fast to the power. There's this, again, there's a spiritual power that takes place just as it's, it's just like praying for healing. I mean, we, many of us have had answers to prayers for healing or for financial uh, miracles and many other ways that we've just maybe never even shared those prayers with anybody else. It's just a trend. It was a, a, a conversation between us and God and He heard our prayer and answered our prayer. But there's also instructions to come to the elders of the church and be anointed with oil and, to, and pray for healing. So there's some additional spiritual uh, I hesitate to use the word power because it's all the Holy Spirit's power but there's, a, there's some other element that comes into it when we obey and submit to the instructions that we see in scripture or possibly and or tradition. Um, so I believe that as a priest when if there is such a thing as apostolic succession um, you can't prove it in scripture. Um, but if there is, then there's some element of, of uh, sacramental value when we submit ourselves to the uh, admonition to confess and hear absolution. So confession is a three-step process. First, we must recognize our sins, and this is a when I read this, I was like, this is putting it much more succinctly than I've ever been able to, but it's, it, as we get quote-unquote holier, we see better and better how truly awful our life is, how truly estranged that we are from God. <clears throat> Going back again to my experiences, when I in my church of origin, uh, coming from a holiness Pentecostal tradition, it seemed like the most admired and revered teachers and preachers um, would 
present the this process of putting off the old man and putting on the new man as something that required more and more uh, determination, uh, faith, um, uh, fervor, uh, zeal. You know, you had press. You had to press in to. Um, attain to the next level of holiness and righteousness to, to get closer to God, to be able to get closer to God, to get more sin out of your life, to get more of the Holy Spirit in your life. And along with that, maybe unintentionally, but there also, it also in my experience produced like super Christians and medium Christians and beginner Christians. And uh, I usually was pretty hard on myself and never felt like I ever made it to the second level. <clears throat> and then as my reading and exposure to broader, uh, the broader church and theology, I began to see that there was because of grace of understanding grace there was another camper writers who uh, basically said it's all grace salvation is all grace uh, our actual experience in the world doesn't really change you're not going to don't don't beat yourself up because you're not going to get any better uh, that's all works and law and so there was that and I was like there's and I gleaned truth out of that camp especially with helping me to understand grace and it is all grace it is all grace uh, but there's still in the practical day to day world there are choices that we make that have that matter and so I eventually came around to reading uh, more uh, Catholic uh, Orthodox writers some of them many hundreds of years ago and their perspective was what the, this writer just said that the, the more we progress along this path of putting off the old man and putting on the new, the more we see our own uh, failure to be able to, to attain to the goals we strive for, to recognize our own brokenness, and to be more dependent upon God's grace and mercy and more thankful for His grace and mercy, and less like there's no way for any kind of categories of Christians or judgment because we're all this equal at the base of the cross dependent upon his mercy and grace so there's that secondly we must be truly sorry for our sins one of the true tests for our sorrow is the ability to confess those sins to another human being we can be so prideful that we refuse to confess our sins because we're worried about what someone else might think about us. 
Finally, once our pride is defeated and the sin confessed, we must try to repent, overcome the sin, and strive toward a more Christ-like life. So, where's my heart? Where is my heart's restored home? My heart's restored home is in Christ. Christ is that. Christ is the answer. That's right. That's what Andre Crouch said, right? <laughs> Jesus is the answer. Christ is that perfect person. Randy Alcorn says that every human being, every man and woman is looking for that perfect place with that perfect person. There's three things, but anyway. Um, and in our search for the perfect relationship, for the perfect person, it is Christ. So the, the first place my heart has to be, to be in its restored home, is in Christ. Of course, I have to think about food, and there's the perfect meal. And uh, I think, my, again, in my... In my experience, I have come to realize that when we gather at the table to receive the body and blood of Christ, that there again, there's, there's a grace imparted. Uh, there's grace imparted in its uh, spiritual uh, experience, as an element there of, of growing and experiencing God's love. So... My heart's restored home is in Christ. It's at the table. It's in community. It's in, it's, in a communi it's in a relationship with a group of other people that I can be honest with and that uh, will encourage me and hold me up in prayer and input uh, in truth into my life. And my heart's restored home is in service to others it's in sharing what has been received it's in giving what I have been given we will certainly experience a greater joy in our lives when we have confessed our sins draw nearer to God and seek to live his way rather than our own we will quote unquote see God in the sense that we can more clearly understand his plans for our lives and walk in a way that pleases him and helps others with light, with helps others with our with a heart that is soft and tender and not calloused or cynical. John seven thirty eight, Jesus said, Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Amen. Let's stand together and proclaim our common faith in the Nicene Creed.